Hello and hi, welcome to another Slice of Sci-Fi. I'm Summer Brooks, and my very special guests today are Gary Smart and Christopher Griffiths, the co-directors of the new documentary, Hollywood Dreams and Nightmares, The Robert Anglin Story. And I believe, if I'm correct, Gary is also the co-writer. Yes, yes. If you can write a documentary, I'm, <laughs> I'm listed as that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, welcome, guys. I have I have questions, and I have to first give you you know golf clap uh, kudos for for this documentary. I'm a I'm a huge documentary fan. Uh, the the background story behind the story behind the scenes behind that story is all has always fascinated me, and the amount of deep dives you guys get on this one was for me just delightful and i have to ask where did the idea of doing a documentary just on robert come from because we have uh the documentary uh, was it never sleep again that was like 200 hours i believe <laughs> <laughs> yeah something like that yeah i mean so it's kind of a, a easy kind of story for us really this we've obviously been making documentaries and working together for the last 10 years our first documentary was Leviathan, the story of Hellraiser. That was followed by your your so called Brewster, the story of Fright Night, and then we've moved on. Did obviously Pennywise, the story of it. Working on Robodoc at the moment, I see post obviously with Screenbox, and also working on post Police Academy. So you know, we always wanted to do something narrative about somebody's career as opposed to a film, because when we do a documentary in a movie, it's brilliant and you get loads of people involved but it's very kind of like tight on that one movie you may get a little bit of stories about other films they've been involved in but it's obviously very tight and obviously for us it was just well and obviously for me personally i've been a fan of robert since i was a small child and i've always wanted to do something with robert and as you mentioned never sleep again came out and our friend mikey perez produced that with tommy hudson and i was like god i wish we would be nice you know we could have been involved in that somehow uh, we'd worked with them on More Brains, the Terminal Dead documentary. So we kind of lost the opportunity there to do something about Freddy. But the opportunity was still there for Robert. And uh, so that was basically it, really. It's kind of, we discussed it as a team and we wanted to basically celebrate his career outside of Freddy Krueger, the man behind the glove and the fedora. And obviously, so we approached Robert uh, via his wife, Nancy, and it just kind of snowballed from there, really. Chris? Thank you, Gary. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, my, my main line for this is like, I just, I, I was dumbfounded to realize there wasn't a documentary already done on uh, Robert England because Kane Hodder, Jason, had had his documentary. Danny Trejo has had his documentary. So I was just a bit amazed when Gary proposed this. There was that part of me that was like, are you sure there hasn't been one done? I mean, if there had been one done, I would have watched it. So it was a bit of a bit redundant question on my part. But um, obviously, I know how important. Robert England and the whole Freddy Krueger thing is being to Gary all his life. And I'm a big fan, but obviously I've got to put it on the record. This is Gary's baby. Um, and obviously for me, it was just a no brainer because for us as fans, we like making documentaries for fans because we've been fans. God, how many fans can I say in that sentence of things like never sleep again. Um, and I dare say it's always nice to have a good opportunity to work with those you love. So it's like, yeah, of course, get a picture signed, get a photo with him. Oh, and do the job as well. Well, it says here that it took two years to make. How much 
time before that went into actually writing and structuring what you wanted to say and how you wanted to say it? This has probably been a 2018. We started originally discussing the project. Uh, and I think we first approached Robert in 2018 and then met him in London in early 2019 and shot it originally in the summer of 2019. So it was about six months before that, obviously, the actual principal photography, we were planning it and talking to Robert constantly about the structure, what he wanted and what we wanted, and how we can obviously engage with people, obviously, was the biggest thing, obviously, trying to engage, obviously, interviewees. Uh, we interviewed, we started in the summer of 2019, and then obviously COVID hit then by January, February time. Uh, and then by March, obviously the world was in lockdown by 2020. Uh, so we managed to get Robert again later on. So we've interviewed Robert four times. So uh, we, me and Chris talked about this quite, quite a lot, really. I think I'm sure Chris will elaborate. I think the COVID situation massively actually helped us, really, didn't it, Chris? In, in the sense of obviously our work and collaboration together. Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting with the whole when in terms of like the writing aspect. I think Gary, you can't. I hope I'm not treading on your thing now. But as you sort of said at the start, it's interesting when you say about writing a documentary because you you can certainly put a lot of planning into these things. Yeah. And I know from Gary's part, discussing it with Robert, one of his uh, mandates was, well, he would do an interview if we were just going to do Freddy Krueger, but he would actually give himself over. And you know all his assets like photos and stories and time. If we do, if we if we cover like all his work, so that was always going to be the case to cover his career and above all, obviously, sort of go beyond the glove and sort of say, look, this guy's done more than just the Nightmare on Elm Street films. Um, but in a way, the structure of the documentary kind of finds itself in the edit. I find not to sort of take credit as the editor, but I worked with Gary on the edit and we kind of had one narrative locked, I think before COVID or sort of in the run up to COVID. And then it was kind of only afterwards did we sort of sit down together and actually make quite a lot of adjustments to the narrative of it. Because for me, at least it's always a bit like you want stories to kind of bounce from one to another. You're following a chronological story, of course. But in terms of like what comment comes after one and the other, it's always like, finding it in the transcribes of interviews where it essentially builds itself up. So that's one of my favorite parts really was that we got to, it's the closest Gary and I have worked on a project in some time now and actually just being sat down together till four o'clock in the morning in this room here, um, sort of making adjustments and tweaks and kind of letting it gradually expand itself. Really the project, you know, there were things we hadn't used first time round that eventually found their way in anecdotes uh, narrative beats. So it's interesting. It's really hard to kind of gauge how you structure th these things. You can go in with as much of a plan as you think you have, but to a certain extent, get all your content and then the edit will kind of find itself in a way. So most of those images and videos from his early career, those were from his own collection, his, the stuff he had saved for, for his own uh, use. Yeah, we, I think in the end, we, we got off Robert and Nancy about almost 200 plus archive pictures, probably more than that. Um, we did two rounds of it. Obviously, we mentioned Mikey Perez earlier on, who obviously worked on Never Sleep Again. He's our producer on our projects as well. He he works close with us with regards to our kind of US links. And he went over to Robert's for us after way after the interviews and after COVID and basically kind of 
went for Robert's archive. Yeah, so Robert was really free at giving us stuff like that. I mean, he was, and even like the personal photographs, obviously from a childhood and his first wife as well and things like that. He was quite pleased to use it. And obviously, long as it was using context. And it was really funny when we watched a doc with him the first time and Chris may tell that story. He was very like, oh, remember that picture? That, that, and he was like really getting excited when he saw pictures. Because obviously, I think because Nancy done all kind of like the, the, the admin side of us. Robert was seeing these things for the first time in a long time. So it was kind of really kind of, you know, we're very grateful for Robert and Nancy for their, their support. And they have been integral, you know, to the whole production. Yeah, I was uh, particularly touched by uh, the dive into his role on the original V miniseries and later the glee when he said zombie strippers, because that was the first time I had heard his name in a long time at, when that movie came out. And then just seeing the joy on his face when he said that title just cracked me up. <laughs> So about the making, like just putting this together, what was for you guys the most interesting uh, thing you found out or just the most surprising? Do you want to go there, Chris? Uh, yeah, um, there's quite a lot we unpacked from this. I mean, we've done our research and I, I'll, I'll definitely speak on my own behalf, but I think certainly Gary as well. We're kind of like as horror fans, a bit, I dare say, trivia whores. <laughs> so you see stuff that rocks up on Twitter all the time, like those did you knows. And God knows I've looked through trivia sections of people and films over the years. But hearing them all again, you know, I think it's the fact that, like, you know, a lot of people sort of said to us in Sitches, is like, how many paths he crossed on his journey towards uh, playing Freddy Krueger? So to star in one film with Arnold Schwarzenegger, to have the set decorator on another film be James Cameron before he was James Cameron. Um, and then the one we plucked out on the last interview after Sitches, so it was actually shot after its first screening, was when I was setting up his shot and told him, oh, I'm going to do the scotch tape and chewing gum approach of, because, you know, this is a last minute ad-libbed interview. I'm going to put a camera on a coffee table. I'm going to use my phone as your lav mic and pop that in your pocket and hope to God that it records the audio properly that I can sync up later. And I said to him how I, I call it the scotch tape and chewing gum approach, which I'd learned from having done interviews with uh, Tommy Lee Wallace, who did like Halloween 3 and Stephen King's It. And as I said that to him, as I was setting up his interview, he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, Tommy, Tommy, yeah, yeah. Because oh, I was I was working with him on Halloween. I've read that in the past, but it completely had slipped my mind. So as soon as he said that, it was almost a bit like talk, talking to the <laughs> mic now. Um, and so that's uh, like, I was like, we have got to have that. And as crass as it sounds, like how cool is it? You know, one horror icon worked on the set of another horror icons film. So I think, yeah, little things like that were really surprising for me. Definitely. How about you, Gary? I just think, you know, it's, again, it's always cliche, like, you know, what is your favourite stories on stuff? But I just think this, the fact that Robert being a teacher, more than anything, you know, you know about Robert the icon and Robert the actor, but the amount of stories from other cast and crew members where Robert was teaching them and taking the time to actually, to you know, to support them. You look at Corey Taylor and, you know, the stories from Heather Langenkamp, you know, even when there's a real nice touching story. Uh, and Heather, it's not a nice story, but it's a touching story about obviously when Heather obviously lost her son and Robert was the first person to contact her 
And I think that shows this kind of this character that there, sh- there should be an ego there, really. There should be because this guy goes to conventions and has queues around the block. You know, there's people desperate for his attention. And we've been with him. We were in situations where they were chasing his car. You know, there was people running down the street after him. And there's me and Chris and Adam was like, hello. And then literally was like pushing past us to get to Robert. Yet he still has time for people and there's no ego. The guy's just a film fan. The guy just loves to talk about his films. And actually, like to talk about other people. You know, when we were talking to him about obviously, you know, our journey, he was more interested in us than he was about answering questions about himself on a personal level when obviously when the camera would obviously start filming. So that was for me, just at least and again, it is really cliche and, and silly. But when people say, you know, about pedestals and don't meet your heroes. I think we met somebody who definitely lived up to expectations and, and beyond that. So that was the kind of biggest revelation to me. This guy's a normal film fan. You know, he just loves movies. He loves talking about films. Well, you guys are accomplished at doing documentaries. What new ones are on your table at the moment that you can talk Chris. about? Chris? <laughs> Thanks, Gary. Um, I think, uh, well, we've, we've got like a backlog we're, de- <laughs> we're dealing with at the moment because uh, for many years, you know, with Hellraiser and the Fright Night documentaries, we were completely independent, doing everything under the radar on our own, uh, you know, with physical copies being shipped out from Gary and Adam's uh, bathroom. Um, to now we've got Screenbox on side who have been absolutely fantastic in helping us sort of essentially go legit with our documentaries so we've now sort of signed up a number of our projects that have been on the back burner for some time uh most notably it's um robodoc uh the creation of robocop which is coming out as well the first e- it's coming out as like a, a serial so it's uh, gonna be four episodes on just the for the first film uh coming out towards the end of this year and then we'll be uh covering the sequels uh and sort of where the franchise went uh, in another season next year. So that's really, really cool and interesting. Nice. It's been laborious, to say the least, and that started in 2016. So it's about trying to get things like that off. And then at the same time, we're trying to discuss about which of the ones we can't talk about yet to tempt fate, <laughs> um, maybe doing some character profiles again down the line. Because to be honest, out of all our projects, this one was probably the easiest one to get mm-hmm. over the line, whereas everything else has had sort of numerous issues you know tech tech technological issues and whatnot and just sheer scale they've blown up to into behemoths so with robodoc being four hours long uh coming out episodically has um given us some hurdles to contend with so this project was easy so i think we're very keen to do a non-green screen uh, <laughs> uh like character another sort of you know maybe a horror icon uh project down the line well, you have me eagerly excited for the RoboCop uh, documentary, so I can't wait for that. Uh, this movie is Hollywood Dreams and Nightmares, the Robert Englund story, which will be available on Screenbox and Digital on June 6th. Uh, check your favorite digital platforms after that if you must wait. Gary, Chris, thank you so much for your time today. Thank I you. Really appreciate it. Thank you. And we'll be back with more Slice of Sci-Fi right after this. Slice of Sci-Fi. 
Pseudopod, the free horror fiction podcast brought to you by Escape Artists. It makes my bones chatter against each other and you sit up in bed. I scream as I remain a statue and then the fury in me becomes a raging hot thing in my chest. Each week, one story told well. There, writhing in lurid agony upon the floor was a short creature, perhaps two feet tall. It was covered with red, wire-like hair on every inch of its exposed flesh. From the most chilling and unsettling storytellers of the genre. The wind's up now, and the sackcloth is blowing in black tatters round it, making it writhe like the worms. Only that ain't all sackcloth. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, or find us on the web at pseudopod.org, and on Patreon under EA Podcasts. Hi. This is Barbara Crampton, and you're listening to Slice of Sci-Fi. Ooh, scary. Once again, that is Hollywood Dreams and Nightmares, the Robert England story, uh, available on Screenbox and on digital on June 6th. I highly recommend it, uh, especially if you're a fan of documentaries, not just horror documentaries, documentaries in general about uh, genre entertainment, the, the detail and depth of which they cover all aspects of Robert's career. Chris and Gary did a marvelous job and I really, really can't wait until the end of the year to see RoboDoc because the fact that they had to serialize the documentary on just the first movie excites me because that means that these guys have gone in on a seriously, seriously geeky deep dive and that just uh, that just gives me warm and fuzzy feelings uh, can't wait can't wait and as soon as I hear more about that documentary that Robocop documentary I will let folks know and how about you guys is there a icon uh, an actor or director in science fiction or horror whose career you would like to see a documentary about? Let me know. Shoot me an email, summer at sliceofsci-fi.com, or leave us a voicemail message. The number is 602-635-6976. Also, you can come by the website, sliceofsci-fi.com, and leave your comment in the discussion section for this episode. You can also ask your questions or make your suggestions over on Twitter. We're at Slice of Sci-Fi. You can listen to Slice of Sci-Fi on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, and iHeartRadio Podcasts. And if you're listening on Apple or Stitcher or Podchaser, please consider leaving us a review or a rating. Your recommendations, your suggestions, help other listeners find the show and tune in. Let them 
decide for themselves if they want to subscribe and keep listening. We're trying to take a few different approaches to the show and hopefully increase our listener base because we have plans. We have stuff we want to do. And I think uh, I think a, a Discord server for us to play in could be very near on the horizon. I'd like to thank everyone who is helping to support our efforts here at Slice of Sci-Fi and all the other websites in the Slice of Sci-Fi universe, the other podcasts we have going. Uh, teaser, since there is New Babylon 5 coming out this summer with the animated movie, Tim and I will be talking about it over on Babylon Podcast. So yeah, that feed is still active. Go check it out if you are a fan of Babylon 5. But all of these sites and podcasts keep going with your help, for which I am truly, truly grateful. Your pledges through Patreon, your support through PayPal donations really do help and If you would like to add your support, the place to go is patreon.com slash slice of sci-fi. Pick a tier, any tier, and you could be eligible for perks. Every month I pick a winning email address out of the hat. That person gets to choose from a book, a DVD, a Blu-ray, a 4K, either a film, a box set, a uh, even a graphic novel here and there. I get a lot of review materials for these shows and I can't keep them all. There's just too much. So you guys, you supporters, longtime listeners, fans and friends of the show, get first dibs at some pretty, pretty cool stuff. So check that out. And uh, if you'd like to donate every now and then without committing to a monthly pledge, the link you can use is paypal.me slash sci-fi summer. You can also support our efforts here through uh, sliceofsci-fi.net, which is our affiliate shop. We have links to uh, various books and movies that you might be interested in. Stuff that's not typical, that's off the beaten path quirky or unique, including documentaries. And yes, I am working on expanding this selection over there because I have been lax in that department, and for that I apologize. But we'll have some pretty cool stuff uh, added really soon. And that'll do it for this episode. I'd like to thank you all for listening. We'll be back with more Slice of Sci-Fi next time. Take care. Mm -hmm.